love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. Don't you just love a good love story? Love is like that. It's the light that is part of your life. It's unconditional. There's something there for all of us. There's hope that we can get through this and find some joy in our lives. He's always been the one. Self-love is a love story too. Those little sparks of joy are really important. Imagine someone making your biggest dream come true. It's important for people to understand that you're not alone. We love to be part of a Canadian love story. The love story never ends. Well, love is the most important thing. Rom-coms follow a very simple, formulaic way of doing things. But I find that that's part of the charm as well as part of the challenge. How can you tell a familiar story and make it different? I want to give them a story that will make them laugh and make them cry and help them believe in love. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to a BC woman who writes love stories. Lindsay Maple's obsession with romance started at a young age and it's blossomed into a career. So what's the secret recipe for a great love story? We'll find out today. This is the Canadian Love Map. Lindsay, welcome to the Canadian Love Map. Thank you so much for having me. I would love for you to tell me when you wrote your first love story. When I wrote my first love story, I guess that would be grade three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, given a task in in English class, you know, to write a story. And I wrote a story about a guy falling out of an airplane and falling in love with the, the flight attendant who also survived the plane crash. And it involved a steamy scene in like a hot springs. And my teacher read it in front of the entire class, which was very embarrassing. Well, embarrassing, but also really amazing validation that must have said to you in some way, oh, you've got a talent for this. I really enjoyed it other than it being read aloud. It was just really fun coming up with something like that. And were you a romantic at heart at a young age? I think so. Yeah, I've always gravitated towards love stories and uh, I really loved fantasy when I was younger, too, but always really enjoyed the the romantic subplot. So where did your, your writing go from there in grade three? Um, I read a lot. When I was young, I moved around a lot. So I used books as a way to just kind of get me through um, being moved around a lot as a little kid. And then when I got into middle school, I discovered Christopher Paolini's series, the Aragon books, and I started writing fan fiction. With that in high school, I even used to create my own websites and I learned how to code and use graphics and make role-playing websites to play with my friends and we'd write stories together. I'm still friends with some of those people actually after all these years. Wow. Yeah, I started writing that and then kind of on a dare with my husband, we kind of made a bet whether or not I'd be able to write a full book. 
And I think that was his way of just spurring me into that direction because he knows how competitive I am. So I wrote my first novel about seven years ago and it didn't go anywhere. It was a YA fantasy novel. And when I was querying it, I discovered <laughs> there's a lot more talent in the YA fantasy industry. And I didn't have the voice for that genre. Mm -hmm. So when I was reading on Manuscript Wishlist, there were a lot of agents asking for rom-coms. And I loved watching rom-com movies. I'd never read one. So I went to the library and I rented five or six rom-coms and I discovered <laughs> I loved them. And I became just absolutely obsessed with rom-coms. So I sat down and I wrote my first one and I completely pantsed it. I just discovery wrote the whole thing and came up with Not Your Basic Love Story. Amazing. And with with a rom-com film, it's a pretty simple formula, really. Is that true as well of the book? Absolutely. Rom-coms follow a very simple, formulaic way of doing things. But I find that that's part of the charm as well as part of the challenge. How can you tell a familiar story and make it different? I like to compare it to country music. I'm not a huge country music fan, but when you're listening to a country music song, you know it's going to follow a similar formula. It's going to have a similar sound, but how can you make it a little bit different? And that's what I love about it. So I love the idea of your first book, but I think it's also going to trigger a winding back of time. I need you to tell me about your own romance, if you would. You mentioned your husband, but let's go back and set the stage. How did you meet him? Oh, geez. I was 18. And a guy friend of mine who was interested in me, and I was not interested in him, asked me to pick him up from the bar at two in the morning. So I drive out there, little 18-year-old me, nothing else to do, <laughs> go pick up my friend from the bar. He gets in the front seat and three strangers get in the back seat, ended up marrying one of the guys in the back seat. <laughs> not that night, I hope. <laughs> no, no. We were friends for quite a while. I had no idea he was interested in me. He's eight years older than me. He was 26 and I was 18. So there was a little bit of that. Um, it was just a little bit odd, but we stayed friends for a good six or seven months. And then one thing led to another one night. He was talking to me about the universe and quantum physics and did me in. <laughs> he had you at quantum he physics. Me. He did. Had you recently moved to BC at that time? Uh, we were still in Medicine Hat, Alberta at that time. That's where he was born and that's where I was mm -hmm. living. And then um, we moved up together to Calgary two years later, where he got his job that eventually did move us out to British Columbia. And how much has he inspired your stories or how much can we see of who your husband is in your characters? Very much so. So um, my husband is part Indian. Um, Dev is in Not Your Basic Love Story. His family is fully Indian Canadian. So there's a little bit of a, a similarity there. Um, but Dev is tall, dark and handsome, really great beard. That's just like my husband, Tom. And then another similarity too is Dev's personality is completely like my husband, just very calm, very uh, confident, but not in a showy way just in like a self-assured, quiet way. And I've always really appreciated and respected that about him. So was not your basic love story inspired by, based on your life? No, it's, um, it was actually inspired by my move from Alberta to British Columbia. So where I lived and grew up in Alberta, everyone was very culturally 
ethnically very similar. And then I moved out to British Columbia and it was really refreshing to be around different Canadians from different backgrounds and different cultures and eating different food and listening to different music. And it wasn't really until then that I realized that being Canadian is such a beautiful, vast thing. And um, the story was inspired by me meeting some people through my husband's work who are Punjabi Sikh. And I always ended up sitting with Dell at these work functions and chatting with her and then learning through my husband and his talking to Jeg just about the different family structures and things like that. And then when my friend was invited to an Indian wedding and she was the only white girl at this Indian wedding of hundreds and hundreds of people, I was like, wow, that was really an interesting experience for you. And I told my friend Dell about it and she said it was a very rare opportunity for her to be able to go to these important ceremonies and be a part of that. So that's that's kind of how it was inspired. Very cool. So tell us the plot of the book, if you would. For sure. Yeah. So it starts off with Becky. Um, she's named Becky because her whole personality is basic white girl. But then as you learn about her through the story, you understand there's a lot more to her. So she's on this airplane and she's very grumpy about the fact that the seat next to her is empty and there should be someone sitting in that seat, but there's nobody there and she's very grumpy about it. And so as people are getting on this plane, she's thinking, I'm going to get sat next to the worst kind of person, someone who's going to talk to me for the whole five hours, someone who's going to share their flu germs, someone whose toddler is going to be putting sticky things in my hair. But lo and behold, this extremely attractive gentleman walks up and he sits down in the seat and she remarks about how his iPhone is perfectly kept and how he's so well dressed and all these other things that she finds attractive. And everything seems to be going very well until the worst case scenario happens and he becomes airsick and absolutely ruins their meat cute. <laughs> that would that would put a dent in a first date. For sure. So um, then they go into Mexico where it's her best friend's wedding and he ends up accompanying her to the wedding. They keep bumping into each other and then they have this whirlwind romance. But when they realize that they're falling in love and it's time to bring their families in together, they realize that their cultures are quite different. And how will it actually look to bring their lives together? And that's where the tension is drawn from. As a white writer, I took extensive lengths to make sure that the subject of Not Your Basic Love Story was very careful around talking about a different culture that I didn't come from. I did a lot of interviews, a lot of sensitivity reading, and I made sure that I only talked about things that were appropriate. I learned a lot of things from interviews that weren't any of my business. And I didn't write about those things because mm -hmm. it wasn't my story to tell. So this story does have other cultures in it, but it is about a person learning about a culture that isn't theirs and falling in love. So if not your basic love story was made into a film rom-com, who would play the characters? For Becky, for sure, it would be Anna Kendrick. She is such an awkward, goofy person, and I think she would really be perfect for Becky's role because she's such a goofball. And she's just also like a very anxious, basic white girl. She would be a perfect fit for that. And I had always imagined for Dev, Rahul Kohli, but I think he might be getting a little old for the role. Like I keep picturing him in the past, and he's supposed to be younger than Becky. So that probably wouldn't fit, but okay. that's who I picture in my head when I think of him. We'll have to start the casting soon because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's it's faded. A lot of people who are not fans of rom-coms would say, oh, they're so full of cliche. 
But for those who like them, that's part of the fun, I think. Do you have a favorite rom-com cliche? Absolutely. Like if you have arrivals to lovers, opposites attract dynamic going on, I am so in it. I just love the idea of these two butting heads and being very angry with each other and having opposite goals, but somehow love overcoming that. That's just my bread and butter. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centers. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. So what is the secret for you to sitting down to create a fictional love story out of thin air? Where do the pieces come from? I think the trick is to have a set time every day the time that works best for your brain. So for me, I'm a morning person. So when it's time to write, I get up at five or six in the morning and I write for one or two hours every day, regardless if I want to or not. I get down in front of that computer and I do it because you can't wait for the muse to strike. You have to develop a work ethic if you want to be a professional author. If it's something that is a hobby, then you can do it whenever but if you really want to see results, you need to put in the time. So where do your ideas come from? Are they from your imagination? Are they plucked from your life? You know, how do they materialize? They're definitely plucked from my life. Like with this book, it was a mix between learning about multi-generational families from my friends Del and Jag and my friend's experience at a big Indian wedding, as well as my transition from Alberta to British Columbia. Uh, my next book is uh, inspired actually from a manuscript wish list from an agent I wanted to work with. She said she loved craft beer. And I said, I loved craft beer. So um, the next one started out as an idea, wine versus beer rom-com. And that's the book that got me my literary agent. And this next book that I just finished writing was inspired by Home Alone, the Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just random things that come up and you have to think if you can pitch it in a single sentence, then it's probably a good idea. And does it have enough tension to sustain 85,000 words? Oh, yeah, that's a good measure. You also wrote another kind of love-based book, and that was The Gay Agenda. Yeah, it's not really a book. It's um, it's a journal. It's uh, like a day planner. So as you'll see here, it has the month. It has a queer person from history, a little bit about them, a quote, and then you can plan your life. So it's an agenda to fill, to be filled in. And how did the idea for that come along? Because I say that's love-based. I think it's, you know, it's, it's you sharing love with the world in a way. Yeah, it was uh, my little sister. I was looking for a Christmas gift for her, and I thought it would be really fun to give her an agenda that said, like, the gay agenda, and she could pull it out of her purse I look like she's plotting world domination, um, like everyone seems to think people do in the gay agenda, but it's really just planning brunch. So I tried to go find her something and it didn't exist. So I hopped on YouTube and Google and figured out how to make a journal on Canva. And a week later, I self-published it on Amazon because I figured it was the easiest way to self-publish something. And I figured if someone else wants it too, they can have it. And it's actually really cute. It's really sweet. 
Amazing. So how do you get a sense of what readers want? Do you feel like they want a real life story or do they want something that is more fantastical that helps them to escape from real life? I think the best thing I've done in that regard is going on to Goodreads and reading reviews of the books that I've read. I read the good reviews and I read the one star reviews to see what it was they didn't like about it. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think with romance and rom-coms, it's fantasy. The males portrayed in these stories are not real men. And they're held to different standards than real men, you know. And that's okay because it's a female fantasy. It's the ways that we wish that we would be treated. And that's not always accurate for real life because men are human beings too. So it is definitely a fantasy, but I try to make my male characters realistic because I love the flaws in the men that I love and I appreciate them for who they are as real people. So I try to make the male characters of my stories realistic, but I mean, are they all six feet tall with abs and can cook? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> what does your husband think now about the stories that you're writing? Because of course he helped inspire them, right? He actually hasn't read them. Really? He has not read them. He read my very first book, that YA fantasy I wrote, and, and that's it. He is not really a big fiction reader. He's a nonfiction reader. And even now, he'll prefer to read news articles and, and things like that rather than a whole book. So that's where we're opposites. I'm very fiction. He's very nonfiction. We're opposites attract. Oh, I would say that about my husband and me too. And what we haven't mentioned, no wonder you write first thing in the morning, early, because you have two young children, right? I do. I have a three-year-old and next month my oldest will be five. So it seems to me that, well, I, I think it would be very hard to write when you have young children. It's also a great career to have when your kids are in this stage. Yeah, it's a very flexible work from home opportunity. Um, but you don't really see any revenue generated from it for many years, <laughs> especially if you're traditionally published. If you're self-publishing and you're able to do it well and pump out a lot of books very quickly, it can be pretty profitable for you. But for traditional publishing, it takes years to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's a labor of love. And even when you do get somewhere, you often don't very, make very much money with a book. That's just no, the way it is. It's exactly. not about making, if you set out to write a book to make money, you are going down the wrong path. For sure. Let's bring it back to love. What does love look like in your life? I am very lucky. I'm extremely loved. My husband is fully supportive of me and everything I want to do. I'm obsessed with him. He is incredible. And I find myself lucky that I even met him. I very could well have not have met him. If I had been good and stayed home when I was supposed to stay home, I wouldn't have met him all. So what is the secret, the secret recipe to a love story, do you think? I think respecting someone's humanity is very important. That if you truly love someone, you want them to get the most out of life. And you want to help them be a better person every day. So I think that's what we do for each other is we push each other and we encourage each other. And we build each other up even when we're mad. Oh, that's good. Even when we're mad. Every married couple can relate to that statement, I think. I was watching TikTok. So you have really parlayed your writing into a great little career on TikTok as well. 
I noticed one post in particular where you had been interviewed by Bianca and Maggie, and yes. you were particularly emotional. I'd love you to tell me about that. Well, Bianca Murray is um, an absolutely incredible person and a wonderful author, and I have a couple of her books as well. And the reason why she's so important to me is because she put together writing groups through her podcast. Shit, no one tells you about writing. <laughs> really good podcast. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> yeah. And she put together a writing group on there. And I met a couple of really incredible friends, as well as a woman who became the editor of my book. She ran a publishing company. It was just a startup at the time. She didn't have a whole lot of books going on. So I was the second book her company published. And if it hadn't have been for Bianca, I wouldn't have gone published. And so it was really interesting that I had gone from listening to her podcast, wondering what's going wrong with my book, why can't I get full requests on my query, learning how to revise, to getting published essentially through her, her help. And now I'm appearing as a guest on her podcast. It was really full circle for me. And it was emotional, right? Extremely emotional. I definitely cried. Try not to cry right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we won't judge you if you do. I would just love to know where you'd like this to go. What is your goal for your writing? Well, my ultimate goal for writing is when I first started out, I was looking for romance authors in the Vancouver area, and I couldn't really find a whole lot. And it seems like every major city has a romance author who's writing about that area. And so I figured, why not me? Why not? Why can't I be the Vancouver romance and rom-com author and write about this incredible corner of the world? So my goal is just to make my craft as good as I can get it, keep writing love stories, hopefully get a book deal where my book will be able to be purchased in bookstores throughout North America it would be really cool. But in the end, that's not something I can control. So I'm just going to focus on the things I can control, make sure I'm creating quality content and just focus on that. And what do you want to give your readers? I want to give them a story that will make them laugh and make them cry and help them believe in love. Beautiful. Well, mic drop. <laughs> Before we go, why don't you tell us where we can find Not Your Basic Love Story and also find you. Yeah, I'm on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter. I have a newsletter that I send out, which will be the best way to keep up to date with everything going on with me. As for Not Your Basic Love Story, it's uh, anywhere online that books are sold as well as on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have a Kindle Unlimited account, it's on there. Thanks, Lindsay, so much for joining us today and all the best of luck. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.